You're listening to Through the Rift, your guide to enjoying your favorite game. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the sixth episode of Through the Rift. I'm Lex. And I'm Nikki. And today we're talking all about dungeons. We'll also have overachievers. Tips and tricks. And guild perks. So pour yourself a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of Through the Rift. The faceless man orders and I obey. I don't ask questions. We like to start the show by talking about what we've been doing in game. So what have you been up to this week, Nikki? I turned 60. Yay! <laughs> Very exciting. Congratulations. So, thank you. Um, so basically, I just turned 60, so I haven't really been 60 for a while. But what uh, got me there was buying a three-month patron pass that really helped and I think it was totally worth it. I got all sorts of buffs and potions and gifts. So that was awesome. And I've been helping your little mage level. Yes, yes. We did IAs in Shatterbone Canyon with little Jam, as I like to call her. And um, that was fun. There were a lot of artifacts floating in the water and on top of the cave entrances I found. So... I found tons of artifacts that day. Oh, I also got the romantic title. So that was from a, a set of artifacts. Awesome. I, I think one of my favorite titles I have right now is the awesome, which was also from an artifact set. Oh, that's great. I want that one. That's really cool. I, I like that better than the romantic, I think. Oh, I also bought a Rex and I bought it really um, cheaply. It was only 991 platinum. And I think it was totally worth it because you get 1,250 credits. Definitely worth it. Yeah. And so I guess um, like figuring out how it was balanced with the loyalty was kind of complicated, but you helped me out, Lex. You get 2,500 loyalty for claiming the credits plus another 2,500 loyalty for spending them. So in the long run, it, it, was, it worked out um, to my favor. And I got the 150 speed mount with those credits. Nice. And yeah, the, the system behind that is actually re really simple. Basically, every time you buy a credit, you get two loyalty per credit that you buy. And every time you spend a credit, you get two loyalty per credit that you spend. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple, really. But for some reason, I was having... Some trouble wrapping my head around all the numbers. Um, oh, so I got the mount for 630 credits. So I still have 620 credits to spend now. So I'm sure it'll be spent on dimension items. <laughs> of course. Yep. <laughs> and we ran around closing Hellbug Rifts the other day in City Core. And that was pretty funny because we just went back and forth between two different rifts. Yeah, and in case you guys don't know, all of the fire rifts in Storm Legion right now are opening as Hellbug rifts. So I'm not really sure why, 
But uh, if, if you're really wanting the either the Hellbug mounts or the Hellbug companion pets, this is a great time to try to get those. Definitely. And if you're in a place like CityCore, make sure you mentor down um, if you're 60. Uh, CityCore is 52 to 53. And, oh, I got the Skittering Hellbug mount finally from doing that. And I, it's so funny. I got it three times. <laughs> and then I got Skit, the little green companion pet, three times also. Yeah, you were asking me on a previous episode about my um, little hellbug pet I got. I have mm-hmm. the... Uh, the His name is Blurple. And he's the Blurple, the purple hellbug. <laughs> so, yeah. That's great. And then you have the purple and the green, right? Purple and the green what? Uh, companion pets from No, hellbug. I have the blue and the green. Oh, blue and the green. Okay. Oh, I want to get the other ones, but what are you going to do? So that's about it. What did you do in game, Lex? Well, let's see. Um, I played my cleric a little bit. Um, I've been kind of losing steam with my cleric. I, I've been 60 for a while. Um, I've uh, kind of gotten a good taste of, of everything that you can do at 60. And the, the newness is wearing off a little bit. Um, I did um, buy a bunch of great hunt one lures because I capped out my planarite so I needed to buy something so that I could get more planarite again (laughs) Um, so I've basically I've got all the great hunt one lures uh, for ones that I haven't done that I don't have the achievement for yet so one of these days um, probably when we have a guild quest to close rifts we're going to go do a bunch of uh, of those great hunts and we can both get that achievement yeah for sure I'd totally be up for that I've also been, uh, mainly with my cleric, I've been focusing on making platinum right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been very poor with leveling all the professions to max. So I've been, for the most part, selling everything I've been gathering. I've been saving back uh, mats for Empyrean bags and saving back mats for a seal I want to make. But I've been selling everything else. Um, I can't really say how much I've made because I've been spending some platinum too. But I, I would guess I've made eight or nine hundred platinum so far. Oh just wow! Getting rid of all my all my stuff. I had over a hundred Empyrean planar dust that I finally got all those sold. <laughs> um, I've been thinking about uh, spending some time and getting my little business going with my with my crafting professions, mm-hmm. uh, figuring out what I'm going to make and getting the recipes and starting to kind of mass produce the stuff I want to sell. But uh, haven't totally motivated to do that yet. Maybe this week. Okay. And that would require more money, right? To buy all the mats? Um, no, I'll farm the mats. Oh, okay. I have all the gathering professions, so I shouldn't have to buy anything. Um, I got my, uh, my mace from the world vendor and got the first upgrade for that. So Ooh. now I'm, I'm saving infinity stones to upgrade the mace and the shield to the purple versions where I'll get that nice little set bonus. But um, I, I have to say I'm, I'm losing some steam with my cleric right now just because, you know, I'm at the point now I can do all the level 60 content, like no sweat. Mm-hmm. My gear is good enough. I don't have to worry about any open world or uh, regular dungeons or expert dungeons or really anything I'd want to do. The, the only reason I would have right now to try really hard to upgrade anything on my cleric is if I wanted to raid, which... I don't. So. <laughs> right. 
So I've been spending some time on my mage. Um, mm-hmm. I made a mage a while ago, uh, and kind of partly is just, I guess, for shits and giggles, because I know um, in the past we've gotten a lot of like XP vials and stuff from our our loyalty and patronage, and I know that you get those things with like every character that you make. Yeah. So I kind of wondered, I'm like, if I make a level one mage and I use all those potions and stuff that Mm -hmm. I have, like how fast, like how fast could I level? Right. So by the time I got through those potions, um, my character was well in the thirties. Um, so now I'm, uh, I'm out of the potions, but we both, uh, got a patron subscription. I've got my mage to level 41, just dinged level 41 today. Um, I am having a lot of fun with my mage. I have a few different builds Mm -hmm. that I play around with. I'm pretty much just using the pre-mades, which I really like the the pre-mades that they put in the game. Um, It's a great way to learn a new class because... Instead of like having to spend all these all this time on forums and reading guides and all this crap that's mm-hmm. like done outside of game that isn't playing the game that isn't terribly fun, right? Um, I can just in game say, "Oh, this build looks fun." I can load the build. I can look at where they're putting the points, kind of figure out why. As I level, I can watch where you know they're wanting me to put points as I level, and it's a lot more fun way to to learn. A, a build for your character than reading some guide or something on a forum. Um, so I've done that with uh, all of my builds. I started out with uh, what's called the Pyromentalist. Oh, cool. And that one's a lot of fun. It's a great build for um, questing and leveling mm-hmm. solo. Okay. Um, it's, it's mainly a combination of Pyromancer and Elementalist. So you're, you're getting a lot of... Um, damage spells and you're getting like the best pet that you can have at that level so you you end up with the greater elemental pets um so the uh earth one is great for tanking when you're solo keeps keeps the mobs away from you and then the uh the air pet is great for dps like if you're doing uh instant adventure or a dungeon or something where Mm -hmm. you don't really need a pet to tank for you you can whip that guy out um but yeah, it it was fun. I played that for quite a while. Um, definitely very survivable. Like I never die in that oh, build, awesome. even solo. Um, and then of course I did the the Chloromancer build because I wanted mm-hmm. to try healing in dungeons. And let me tell you, um, everybody's different. And um, so I'm sure some people will disagree. But for okay. me personally, I love healing on the mage. Ooh. I hate healing on my cleric. Like I, I just tell people I don't heal. I will not heal. <laughs> um, if it's a guild run and just no one else can do it, I might heal, but mm-hmm. it, it's just, it's not fun. It's stressful. Um, cleric healing is great. If you're someone where healing is your thing and every mm-hmm. game you play, you're the healer. Cleric is, is the one for you because it's got something like four healing souls. Uh, you have a lot of, uh, very specialized heals and abilities as a cleric that you know you'll have easily two or three hot bars worth of buttons of of different abilities you can use at different times um but if you're someone like me who 
really the only reason you heal is either just to do something different or because you want to get into a dungeon faster. <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah, cleric is, uh, it's very high maintenance and it's, okay. it, it's, how would you say? It's a rather steep learning curve oh. to heal as a cleric. Healing as a mage is mm-hmm. really easy and it's really fun because um, at least the way I do it, uh, I use macros and I, I have it um, set up and I'll talk about this a little later, but I have okay. a macro set up where basically I can heal the tank with my directed heals at any time without having to switch targets. Ooh. So I just sit there and DPS the boss, which mm-hmm. is doing passive healing on the tank and everybody in the group. Mm-hmm. And then I just keep an eye on the tank's health. And if it starts going down alarmingly fast, then I just have a button I hit that heals him. And then I'm right back to DPSing the boss. Awesome. So it's kind of, I really, I actually prefer healing on my mage mm-hmm. over DPSing on my mage or my cleric because it's basically like DPSing only a, a little bit of added complexity yeah. to it. At, at this point in the game, playing as long as I have, DPSing can get a little boring. I mean, it's fun to do one or two dungeons, but any more than that, I'm just like bored to tears. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but so yeah, if, uh, if you're interested in healing and you haven't tried the Chloromancer, uh, definitely try it. I'm having a lot of fun with it in the dungeons. Um, and I just, I like the life magic. I love throwing these little globes of green energy. Um, so yeah, dig in, dig in the Chloromancer. And then, uh, just the other day, uh, one of our, our buddies in, in the guild, his name is Malkazare. We've mentioned Mm -hmm. him on the podcast before he's our founding member that signed the <laughs> charter and is still with us uh he plays a warrior primarily yeah but he's kind of in the same boat i am uh he got to the end of the game he was thinking he wanted to raid and then he had a couple not so great experiences with some real douchebags in the quote-unquote community of rift <laughs> um in some uh, expert dungeons and i believe a daily raid rift that he did which yeah. totally turned him off to raiding which is one of the big reasons i don't raid and maybe someday we'll do an episode on that um but anyway right now that's beside the point but yeah the point but it was is, still disappointing the point is is he made an, a mage too, and he's been leveling this this mage. It's about the same level as my mage. Oh, okay. And so we were in the dimension one night, um, practicing healing each other and DPSing on our our practice dummies in the dimension. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking about how the one thing I really wanted for my mage was a good AOE build because um, I was kind of frustrated with the pyro pyro mentalist. <laughs> uh, in like instant adventure because um, a lot of the, the big damage spells you cast as a pyro have like a, a cast time. So you're sitting there casting for a couple seconds. Okay. And a lot of times in a rift or in an instant adventure, the thing dies before your spell goes off. So you spend oh. all this time like casting, but never actually <laughs> getting your spell off. Okay. And uh, the pyromentalist, at least at the, the level I'm at, only has one AOE spell and mm-hmm. it's not that great. So um, he was using the Stormbringer, which is another of the pre-mates that is a combination of Stormcaller and Elementalist. And then Mm -hmm. it's got zero points in, uh, oh, what's it called? Dominator, Okay, I think, Um, which basically gives you the ability to turn people into squirrels, which is fun. (laughs) 
Um, so I tried that, and uh, I tried it originally thinking it would be my, uh, you know, AOE build for riffs and instant adventure and things like that. But I have been using that exclusively. It's got oh, wow. great single target DPS. I think it's even better than the Pyromentalist. And even if it's not better by the numbers, it's a mm-hmm. lot more fun because most of your um, spells are these instant cast spells where you're throwing like ice balls and snowballs at people. Oh, cool. And the rotation is really fun. You have a couple uh, lightning spells that um, when, when you have your talent points spent, like basically root the target and it's a channeled spell. Mm-hmm. So it takes you like two or three seconds to, to cast a spell, but you're doing damage the whole time and your target's rooted so they can't mm-hmm. come after you. And then um, casting that procs some uh, instant cast uh, abilities. And it's it's a lot of fun. And the AoE is a lot of fun with it. And you, you also have a pet with that. You've got enough okay. in uh, Elementalist to get a good pet. So I am really enjoying that. Definitely my favorite of the mage builds that I've tried. I also tried mm-hmm. the, uh, the Harbinger one. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called. I think the build's called Spellblade or something like that. Okay. And it was really cool. Um, definitely fun to melee as a mage, but I found myself dying a lot. Um, that is a build, I think it's a little more advanced. Um, you really want to focus on figuring out your synergies and what your different abilities do. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely a build where if you really focused on it and got I mean you could be really badass that's awesome as now, a harbinger the, easily the build that you mentioned before harbinger or the the soul is that the one where you're raining down ice I see you do that sometimes um yeah the, the Stormbringer. my aoe's are like lightning storms and lightning right. fields and then I have one where it's like raining down I think it's raining down like shards of ice uh, okay or something like that's that. that's really cool but it's all um, air damage and water damage. Oh, okay. But it's it's a lot of fun. If you guys are playing a mage and you haven't tried the Stormbringer, um, try it out. I, I really like it. The, mm-hmm. My only, um, I guess my only thing I kind of don't like about it is that it has a pet. I kind of want to build where I'm just all magic and no pet. But yeah. I was looking at the soul tree and I could easily take those points out of uh, Elementalist and put more points in Stormbringer. And uh, wouldn't be as good for soloing then because I wouldn't have the pet to keep things off of me. But it would yeah. be really fun uh, in AOE situations and rifts and instant adventures and even dungeons if you have a group that will let you switch roles between trash and bosses. Yeah. Which can great. be fun. So what's the final level for Little Jam? Uh, my mage is now level 41. 41, wow. And yeah, something interesting with my mage is I, I started her out and I basically, you know, I started out in free march doing the quests and, and whatnot, doing uh, uh, zone events in free march. Mm-hmm. And I got to level 20 something like really quickly. Like you get to love, especially with those potions and stuff, you get to level 20 really fast in this game these days. And uh, basically, about the time I was high enough level to go into Stonefield after Free March, instead of going and questing in Stonefield, I started doing a lot of uh, mainly instant adventures, zone events, and dungeons. And I've pretty much 99% of my leveling 
from the end of Free March until now at level 41 has been Instant Adventure and Dungeons. And the only bad thing is, for some reason, and I really hope that this changes when when they introduce the cross uh, shard mm-hmm. instant adventures in uh, two point four coming out yeah. this Wednesday. I really hope this fixes this. But okay. here I am, you know, I'm level twenty something, level thirty something, and all of my instant adventures are putting me either in free march or in Silverwood. Mm-hmm. So. Um, my crafting wasn't going up because I'm oh, still right. gather or not crafting my gathering because I have all three gathering professions on that character and they weren't going up because I was gathering things that were gray because it the the IAs kept putting me in these newbie zones for some yeah. reason and now all of a sudden they're it, they'll put me in different zones though I still get free march a lot for some reason <laughs> um, they'll put me in different zones but uh, now they're in zones that are high enough level that I can't gather the things. Oh, man. So I had to go back to like Gloamwood and stuff to uh, just to gather to get my gathering caught up so that when mm-hmm. I'm doing instant adventure, I can actually gather the things around me. And what professions do you have with her? I have all the gathering professions. Oh, okay. So I have mining, gotcha. butchering, and foraging. Okay. And of course, fishing and survival, which I never use. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh so um, you can definitely level a character up through Instant Adventure in Dungeons. However, um, the Instant Adventure system is still not perfect. And a lot of times it won't be putting you in appropriately leveled zones. So if you're gathering and or crafting, um, that could get a little screwed up if all you're doing is Instant Adventure. Okay. I, I've learned this the hard way. Now, hopefully... You know, we're we're going with cross shard instant adventures with two point four on Wednesday. So hopefully with a bigger pool of players to choose from, you will be able to get into uh, instant adventures in zones that are more your level and not oh, always yeah. you know, ending up in these zones that are like ten, twenty levels below you. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. We'll see. Okay. I really hope so. So, um, let me see. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm ready to quest an Iron Pine now. Oh. So, uh, I've been playing my mage more and more because I'm a little bored with my cleric. So, it used to be when I played my mage, I would just do my 14 daily instant adventures and maybe a dungeon or two, and that would mm-hmm. be it. But now that I've been playing her more, um, I'm going to have to start doing some, some questing and stuff too because it's not enough. <laughs> to fill all the time, you know. You so. don't want a quest, though? No. I mean, I've okay. done all the quests. And right. um, just lately, I'm sure this will change. I go through phases. But lately, I've been finding questing really boring. Okay. <laughs> um, which is weird because usually in the past, I found instant adventure really boring compared to questing. But yeah. lately, I'd rather do instant adventure than quest. I, I guess just because it's more convenient. Mm-hmm. because it just teleports you to where you need to be and you do your adventures. Right. And when you're done, it teleports you back where the questing, you know, you got to grab a particulum and go to the zone and get mm-hmm. the quest and then run around. And yeah. And kill 50 rounds or something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then uh, as far as the guild, um, we've had quite a few new members join this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been busy with some changes uh, that we've been doing with the guild. There's been a lot of kind of busy work with that, but I guess we'll oh, talk okay. about more that more in guild perks. Yeah. Tell me, elf woman, 
Do you ascend it? Have good need. Before we go any further, I see that you're sipping on some tasty beer over there. What are you drinking, Lex? Well, unfortunately, I am drinking a beer that I've already talked about on the show. I'm I'm drinking Pilsner Urkel, which is kind of my my old standby these days. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a little easier to get and cheaper to get than a lot of the the beers I like. And uh, the last time I, I grabbed some beer, I was at a store that had not much selection. Oh, but, okay. Uh, I really dig it, but I've told you all about it before. So, Nikki, why don't you tell us about what you're drinking? It looks uh, interesting and tasty over there. <laughs> well, you should know. You got it for me as um, a little gift, and it is the Samuel Smith's Organic Chocolate Stout. Um, mm. Yeah, I like the darker beers, so this is really delicious, and it is the most chocolatey beer that I've found so far. It's Wonderful. I highly recommend it if you like chocolate and you like darker beers. Delicious. Yeah, I agree. I've had a number of beers that um, were chocolate stouts or some kind of chocolate beer. And this is definitely the most chocolatey and tastiest one I've had. Yeah, and I didn't even realize that it was organic until we're doing the episode and I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, Samuel really Smith good. has uh, quite a few organic beers, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. Let's yeah. look into buying some more of them. I have not had a beer of theirs that I don't like. Um, Same here. Their their IPA, their India Pale Ale, is excellent. They also have a lot of fruit beers. They have mm-hmm. apricot, strawberry, raspberry. Um, they have ciders. They're all really good. Yeah. Um, the strawberries. Awesome. Definitely. I can smell you, mortals, and I am hungry. All right, everybody, welcome back. Our episode today is all about dungeons. So we have been going kind of chronologically through the activities you can uh, do in-game, chronologically based on your character level. You can start doing dungeons at around level 15 to level 17 Mm -hmm. is when you can start doing some dungeons and random dungeons. So there are far too many dungeons uh, in in this game for us to go into detail on all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be honest, a podcast isn't the greatest way to teach you about a particular dungeon. Right. You're much better off uh, looking at a written guide with pictures mm-hmm. where everything's laid out for you and or a video run through yeah. of the dungeon. We have just such a set of resources for you on our new forums. Uh, you can visit our forums at throughtherift.createaforum.com and you will find our dungeon guide section and we have accumulated there some guides and videos for all the dungeons currently in game. And uh, feel free to check those out and let us know what you think. They may not be the best guides out there. So if you know of a better one, please let us know. And we will both make the change and credit you for it. Because we want it to be a good resource for everybody. Yeah, definitely. And by we, he means him. <laughs> it's thanks to Lex that we have those dungeon guides. So thank you. Well, I'm using the royal we. You okay. Know. <laughs> You're being generous. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're not going to go into individual 
dungeons in detail in this segment. Instead, what we're going to do is this is for those of you who are new to the game, maybe even new to MMOs overall. And this is just some things that Nikki and I thought of that um, are just things that you'll want to know before going into your first dungeon, or at the very least, things that will make your first dungeon uh, a lot more pleasant. Yeah. Um, I know from talking to some of our new guild members who are also listeners of the show that some people have no small amount of anxiety about going into their, their first dungeon. Mm-hmm. And if I think back, um, not so much to this game, but to other MMOs I've played in the past, I, I had that too. You know, you're a little scared the first time, um, especially if you've had any bad experiences with uh, people in the quote-unquote community. <laughs> um, I like I your mean, air quotes. <laughs> yeah, well, I the people I'm talking about, I don't really consider an asset of the community uh, so yeah. that's why i do the air quotes because uh dicks and douchebags but anyway that could be a segment <laughs> dicks and douchebags new segment <laughs> right but anyway we're not here to talk about those kinds of people nope. um we're here to talk about dungeons so the first thing you want to know about dungeons before you first set foot in one is the different roles that there are in a dungeon group and this is a five-person group in a dungeon. And we are going to tell you kind of how the game sets it up and then also give some kind of pointers and and uh, pointers and tips <laughs> and clarifications. That's the yeah, word I'm looking for go. on the way. Yeah. So your first role is that of the tank. Mm-hmm. And this currently in the game, this will be either a rogue or a cleric or a warrior that is uh, has an appropriate build and this person is the person who ideally draws all the aggro from the boss and any other mobs you're fighting and takes the brunt of the damage yeah and it takes a lot of awareness to be a tank i think to notice when your dps is being attacked or your healer's going down or right every um every role kind of has uh, things about it that are pretty easy and things about it that are more challenging. Mm-hmm. And definitely for the tank, the challenging part of being a tank is that situational awareness. Right. Um, your quote-unquote rotations are usually pretty easy. Uh, the DPS you're doing is really secondary. Um, your job as a tank is to keep the group, group safe, to keep um, the boss pointed in the right direction, to keep the mobs uh, gathered together so the AOE can take them out, um, things like that. So when when you're tanking, you want to be not so much focused on your rotations and things like that and more mm-hmm. focused on where the mobs are and where your party is. And um, I, I don't know how many times I've been in a dungeon and, you know, the tank, th- there'll be all these mobs like running away and attacking the healer, attacking right. the DPS. <laughs> and the, the tank is just clueless, like has no idea what's going on. Um, you know, a lot of times when I tank, I have my, my camera zoomed out pretty far. I'm panning around with my left mouse button. Mm-hmm. You know, while I'm tanking, I'm looking behind me. I'm looking all around, keeping an eye on things. But how can you see with all the monsters hanging over you well i guess you're so pulled out you don't right that's why you you, you have to zoom out pretty far okay um but yeah so tanking is you know rather involved but it's a lot of fun and if it's something you want to do um definitely 
It's not something to be afraid of. It's not super hard, no matter what you've heard. You can find lots of good guides on online. Uh, I would recommend going to the Rift forums. There's a guide section for each class. And go into your class and look for guides for your, your tanking builds. And uh, you'll get a lot of good information there. Yeah, definitely. Or you can always ask Lex. <laughs> well, about cleric tanking any, anyway. I don't know much about the other two. <laughs> okay. And then we come to DPS, which is something that I do 24-7. Um, I actually am one of the people that are kind of scared to tank in the game. There's a lot of pressure tanking, but DPS, it's a little, I think it's a little bit easier. Your main worry is not standing in the poo. Um, you either have melee DPS or ranged DPS. Right now I'm all ranged. I need to make a melee DPS build. And for anyone who's wondering, DPS just means damage per second. It's just this this term that's been coined in the MMO communities to refer to your your damage dealers right. in the party. Yep. So um, with with the the DPS, as Nikki said, there's melee and ranged. Mm-hmm. Um, just as kind of a general rule of thumb in this game, you pretty much want to be ranged. Uh, there are particular fights where in dungeons where you can melee and you know not suffer horribly for it (laughs) but there are far far many more fights where it's either impossible to melee or it's just a lot harder yeah and the reason for this is um a lot of times bosses will have aoe area of effect things going on around them um, that do damage and for the tank this isn't a big problem because the tank has a ton of health and basic various ways to mitigate damage but right. for a dps who has to stand in melee and be in the shit as they say um <laughs> it it's a lot of times it's a lot more damage than they can take and it's more damage than the uh the raid heals or the aoe heals that are being cast by the healer can can mitigate um so if, if you're serious about DPSing in dungeons and you want to melee, you should at the very least have a ranged build mm-hmm. because there will be certain bosses that you just you can't melee without dying. And, um, you know, one thing to keep in mind when you're in a dungeon and we run into this a lot uh, doing pugs, which are pickup pickup groups, which is where you use the random dungeon finder and it sticks you with, you know, who knows, just random people. Um, a common problem that we run into is a thing of mentality, a thing of attitude. Uh, you can play Rift, obviously, as a solo game. Uh, you know, ever since, uh, I think it was probably WoW was one of the first games that were like this, where basically you can solo content. You know, in, in EverQuest days, at least in the early days of EverQuest that I played, mm-hmm. there was a lot in the game that you could not do solo. I mean, I'm not talking just dungeons. I'm talking like quests and things like that. And it actually got, I think it was like level 10 or 15. Like once you got to that point, you pretty much had to be in a group to do anything. And games have changed since then, you know, to be more, uh, more solo friendly. Yeah. More solo friendly because, you know, people for whatever reasons they want to play solo in an MMO. And you know, there are good reasons for that. Um, but the problem is, is you get people who are leveling solo and they get this mentality of, 
I'm playing a single player game and it's just me. Mm, and then yeah. they get in a dungeon and it's basically, well, screw you guys. I'm going to do what I want to do because this <laughs> is a game and it should be fun, which means right. it should be fun for me. Right? right. But when you're in a dungeon, you're in a group with four other people. And if you do a little bit of math, um, you are one out of five people, which is about what your opinion matters in that group. Mm-hmm. So if you have everybody else in the group saying, dude, you know, you should really do range DPS because if you do melee, you're just going to die and we're going to wipe because we're not going to have enough DPS. We Mm -hmm. really need you to do range. Please do what the group asks you. (laughs) You know, majority rules. This is a group activity. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And and if you can't uh, play well with others in that way, then don't do dungeons. There are plenty of solo things. Oh, yeah. You can do in this game. Yep. Go do a Chronicle or something. Okay. I'm off my soapbox now. (laughs) So, yeah. Melee versus ranged DPS. Now, theoretically, ideally, um, a melee DPS who can just stand on the boss and beat away at him should Mm -hmm. be able to do more damage per second than a ranged DPS of the same class. Hmm. Um, that's the philosophy. That's the theory behind the way the game is trying to be designed. I don't know um, numbers wise if it really works out that way. Yeah. Um, but I, I have heard that, you know, your raw, like if you're just beating on a target dummy, your raw melee DPS tends to be a little higher. Oh, okay. Because they do have to move around a lot more. Mm-hmm. Where like a ranged DPS, there's a lot more times where you can just stand back like a turret and just you know do <laughs> right. your rotation and you don't have to interrupt it as much mm-hmm. so you know in if you are in a fight that is doable by melee there may be a good reason to do melee you may be able to do more damage and get through the encounter more quickly but um if you're someone you just want to dps in dungeons and you don't want to have a bunch of different builds or deal with different rotations and i would rec- yeah. recommend go go, go ranged mm-hmm. go ranged or go home <laughs> yeah yeah go go ranged or go ranged and melee don't just go melee right you you will regret it and your group will regret it <laughs> so next up is the healer right now in the game the only two classes that can be the bona fide healer is the cleric and the mage the cleric has a number of healing souls. The mage has one. Um, uh, rogues can do some some good healing with the bard. And I have heard of specific group compositions or specific mm-hmm. gear compositions or what whatever where you can get away with having a bard as your healer. Yeah. But, you know, just general, you know, blanket statement, usually not in you know, unless you're in a very special group that's been built for that, um, it's probably not going to work out very well. Um, the healer is mainly responsible for healing the tank. Uh, there, there's an old uh, saying in MMOs in dungeons. You know, when when the tank dies, it's the healer's fault. Oh yeah. And when the healer dies, it's the tank's fault. Yeah. <laughs> and when the DPS die, it's their own damn fault. <laughs> And really, that's true, because as the tank, as we already discussed, your job is situational awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you're not so much worried about the DPS because they should be worrying about themselves, but you are worried about that healer because that healer goes down. You'll be going down very soon after. So, you know, part of the tank's job is to, to keep an eye on the healer, make sure the healer's not taking damage, not getting attacked. Um, because sometimes, it, you know, the healer will pull aggro from, from healing the tank. Mm-hmm. And so the tank needs to react to that and get that aggro back. Um, the healer's main job is keeping the tank alive. However, there are times in dungeons when there are going to be uh, AOE damage going off that the DPS can't avoid. And um, just as your your group will wipe, if the tank dies, your group's going to wipe most likely if all the DPS die too. So oh, yeah. usually a good healer will have some AOE, area of effect heals that affect everybody in the group and... So, you know, as a healer, it's your job to keep the tank alive and keep the DPS alive, keep yourself alive. And uh, there's also the cleansing, which we'll get to a little later. Okay, sounds good. And finally, we have support, which is another um, role that the game game provides for uh, people to fill. And as a rogue, I have one support build, and it includes tactician. But I really want to make another bard um, soul and or spec, I guess. And there's different times. There's different ways that you can know when you should use your support. Well, hold on, Nikki. First, we should explain what support is. So support um, in a five man dungeon support usually has the function of off healing. Mm -hmm. Um, They also a lot of times will provide a lot of group buffs, especially if you're talking about the bard or the uh, Archon, I think, yeah. which is the mage mm-hmm. support soul. Um, but mainly, the they uh, provide additional healing uh, where um, depending on how your group works, that healing could take the form of the support person doing the raid healing or the AoE healing and the healer focusing on keeping the tank up or the support person may just be helping the healer keep the tank up and keep everybody up. Yeah. And then, Nikki, you were just going to tell us about when you do and don't need a support person in your dungeon? Yeah. Oftentimes, you talk to the group and decide, um, usually, the, the healer. I usually ask the healer and just say, hey, do you need me to go support? Generally, these days, though, I don't go support. I just assume they don't need me to be support because oftentimes, uh, one healer is enough. You don't need a, a support role. Yeah, and I'll, I'll explain a little bit kind of the, the nuts and bolts of this. Sure. Okay. So the way that the game was designed is to have a support person in the group. So this is someone who's giving some buffs that makes everybody you know tougher. They do more damage. They can take more damage. And they're also helping the main healer with any healing that needs to be done. Um, if you are doing a dungeon at the level you should be doing the dungeon and everybody in the group is at that level and, and you're not, you know, wearing a bunch of gear that you've gotten from other dungeons, mm-hmm. which is to say you're in like green quest gear, okay. then you very well may need that support person. But what happens in this game is between the the mentoring and the fact that just so many players are either max level or higher level is a lot of times you end up with people in your dungeons that either they're a higher level 
and they're mentored down, which mm-hmm. just makes them inherently more powerful than a character of that natural level. Okay. Or they have been doing a lot of dungeons and they've got a lot of blue items or they're mentored down and they've got raid gear or whatever. They've got gear that makes them more powerful as well. Right. So what ends up happening is if your tank or your healer or both are pretty well geared or their mentor down or whatever, at that point, you're not going to need a support because the tank has enough health and or the healer has strong enough healing spells that that they can handle it, the two of them mm-hmm. alone. And it even works if just the tank is really well geared and the healer isn't, then you're still all right because the tank has so many health that it gives that healer a bigger buffer to work with. Yeah. Or if the tank isn't so geared, but the healer really is... <laughs> It doesn't matter because those heals are like doing so much healing that it, it doesn't matter. So you really um, rely on the tank and the healer to one of them or both of them decide if they need support or not. Yep. And the reasoning is, um, if you think about it from kind of a points point of view, like when you're building your character, you have so many soul points that you put in trees, right? Right. So if you're playing a support role then you are putting points in a tree that is a support or a healing tree, which those points are improving your healing or giving you healing. If, if you don't need that extra healing, you're much better off playing a pure DPS build where all those points are put into DPS trees and mm-hmm. having you do more damage. Mm-hmm. And this will just make the dungeon a lot faster and easier for everybody because you'll be able to do more more damage and there are also um some bosses have what's called a rage timer which is basically you have a certain time limit to kill the boss by and if you don't do it within that time limit the boss uh gets much much more powerful Mm -hmm. so in situations like that you know you could have you know your your uber tank and your uber healer and you've got some guy who queued his support and got support, but he's not needed as support, but he insists on doing support because that's what he queued for. (laughs) And the party ends up wiping. There's plenty of healing, but the problem is, is they are not doing enough damage to bring the boss down fast enough. And that enrage timer kicks in Ah. and, and you're screwed. So again, you know, back to my earlier point of, you know, the group mindset, you're on a team And if the others in the team say, you know, we really want you to DPS and not support, you know, don't be a dick, you know, (laughs) go with, go with the majority, go with what's best for the group. And that's what's necessarily what you want to do. Yeah. And it'll all go more smoothly for everyone, including yourself. You'll die less and you'll have to deal with less arguing. (laughs) Yeah. But, but these days, you know, you can pretty much bet that nine times out of ten if you queue as support and you end up as support in the dungeon you're going to end up doing dps right but always i would always ask you know um if you're going to assume it's probably safe to assume that you you know could just dps these days but i would just ask it's not hard to say hey you want me to go support and usually the tank or the healer will be like no we don't need it or i don't care whatever they'll give you some answer (laughs) So next, Nikki, I thought we would talk a a little bit, just a little bit about how loot works uh, in dungeons. Chances are you've seen the system already doing uh, zone events or rifts or something like that. Mm -hmm. But basically, whenever something drops, 
that is like some kind of special item, like a green or a blue piece of gear or something like that, there will be a uh, a loot roll, and you will have um, a pop up come up for the item, and you'll have three options usually: need, greed, or pass. Mm-hmm. And so, if if it, usually if it's an item that you can't use. Or that isn't for your class, the need button will be grayed out and you won't be able to click it. So, for instance, you know, if I'm playing a mage and a piece of plate armor drops, Mm -hmm. I won't be able to need on it because I can't even wear it. Um, There are some exceptions to this. Like I notice on my mage and my cleric, like a lot of times rings will drop that have like strength and dexterity. Um, And I can need on those even though I never would because I don't use those stats. Right. Um. So, so basically, the uh, the kind of I guess the etiquette mm-hmm. is that you roll need when it's an upgrade for you, mm-hmm. and usually that means an upgrade for the current role that you're playing. So, if you're a class that can tank, like say you're a warrior and you know you can tank or you can DPS, but you're in that particular dungeon as a DPS. Um, it's usually bad form to just roll need on a tanking item that drops. Mm-hmm. Be- assuming that the tank is a warrior, the same class as you, because, you know, he should get first dibs on that because he's actually tanking. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times what I do is I will um, look, you know, like, for instance, I'm a cleric and, you know, I like to tank, but sometimes I'll DPS in a dungeon. And yeah. if the cleric tank item drops... I'll look and see, is the tank a cleric or is he a warrior? Because if he's a warrior, then he can't use that item anyway. But if he's a cleric, then I will ask before I will roll need on it. I'll say, hey, do you mind if I need on this for my off spec? Right. And then if he says, no, I really need this, then, you know, I'll roll greed. Or sometimes I just wait and see what everybody else does. And if everybody else greeds on an item, then I know that I can need on it and no one's going to get pissed. Yes. Nobody else wanted it. Yeah. And sometimes even I will ask if anybody minds if I roll need to just use it as a costume item. Because sometimes it's such a, a, you know, I don't know, a throwaway item to a lot of people that they don't care. And they'll let me take it just to wear as a costume. Yeah. But definitely, like you said, definitely ask before you need on (laughs) something for wardrobe. Because, oh my God, that'll piss some people off. But yeah, so that's the basics of, of need versus greed. Yeah. And then there's many different boss mechanics for different fights. Again, we're not going to go into every single one, but right. there's some popular ones, um, some very common ones in the world. For instance, we've mentioned this when we talked about CPS, but be careful of the area of effect or AOE spells that are cast on the ground by bosses. Um, in other words, don't stand in the poo, which you've probably heard before. Yeah, basically anytime you see on the ground any kind of circle or area that has a certain color, that means one of two things. It either means you need to get the fuck out of there <laughs> or it means you need to get into there. Um, so there are times where there's a circle on the ground and mm-hmm. you actually want to run into the circle and not out of it. But um, Like a circle of light. Right, like but that. it's uh, most common that, that any kind of circle on the ground is a bad thing. Yeah. So un- unless it's a specific encounter and someone in the group says, hey, you know, run into this particular circle, uh, it's usually a safe bet to 
to stay out of the poo, as they say. Yeah, and you can. I sometimes ask people before I go into a dungeon that I've never been in before. I'll say, "Hey, to the group, I've never been here. Just let me know if there's something I need to know on a certain fight. Um, if there's somewhere that I need to stand, or you know, a certain mechanic that I need to look out for." Sure. And so, after staying out of the poo, another good <laughs> um, good tip for for the new dungeoneer is what's called cleaves Mm -hmm. and cleaves are um attacks that bosses mini bosses and even some trash can have um basically anytime you're fighting something that has a large two-handed weapon okay there's a good chance that they have a cleave attack and what a cleave attack does is it will damage not only the person usually the tank that is in front of the mob being attacked, but it will also damage anyone else that is in the line of fire, so to speak. So if you are doing melee DPS, a good rule of thumb is to DPS from either behind or even to the side of the mob, but you're Mm -hmm. definitely um, safest behind. Also, when you're behind a target, it can't block you, which, um, you know, prevents it from blocking some of your attacks I would assume that it can't parry you either, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah, Maybe I would assume the same. But anyway, um, just rule of thumb, if, if the boss has a big two-handed weapon, mm-hmm. assume that he cleaves and stay away from in front of him. Also, uh, even better rule of thumb, just assume all bosses cleave and stay away from in front of them unless uh, you're told differently or you know differently yeah also if you're tanking and you see such a boss be prepared that usually one of their first attacks they use on you is going to do a lot of damage Mm -hmm. so if you're facing a boss who cleaves um and you you know most tanks have some kind of like shield or absorption cooldown that they can use it's a good time to use that either right before or right after it uses that attack on you because it will probably hurt a bit (laughs) Yeah, and again, for DPS, this is a great time to use your ranged spec. That way you don't have to worry about it. Right, because that cleave only goes out to a, to a short range. Mm-hmm. And then there are also interruptible boss abilities that you'll need to know about, especially if you have a way to interrupt spells. Yes. And when the boss is casting a spell, there's a little cast bar, and it's blue, I believe, and that's how you know that you can interrupt it. Yeah, you should uh, really, and if you're going to do dungeons, you need to get into the habit of paying attention to the boss's unit frame and paying mm-hmm. attention to that cast bar. Not only to tell if he's casting an ability that can be interrupted, which will be a blue cast bar, like Nikki said, but also so that you know what he's casting. Right. Because um, you can look in dungeon guides or just learn through experience uh, what the various abilities the boss has are called and uh, what they all do. And so mm-hmm. you can look at that cast bar and you can know what's going to happen a second or two before it does because, you know, he, he takes some time to cast a spell. And so you know what's coming. Yeah, that and your interrupt is on a cooldown. So if he does a few different spell effects, what is the most important one to interrupt? Another uh, good thing to know for any healers or support in the group or anyone else that has any kind of cleanse abilities, um, you need to know when and how to use those. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. A cleanse is basically a spell that removes a debuff from someone in your party. There are single target cleanses where you'll have to target the person and cast a spell. And then there are AOE cleanses that cleanses everybody in, in one go. So especially in Storm Legion, there are mechanics where a boss will put a certain dot or other spell and dot is damage over time or other kind of spell on either everybody or somebody in the party and that needs to be cleansed or it will either kill that person or even wipe the entire party. Scary. So that's something you either just need to learn through experience, through finding out from someone in the party that's done the dungeon, Mm -hmm. or from a guide which specific abilities need to be cleansed. Awesome, awesome. And then there's also party area of effect spells. And this affects every party member. And all around them, the space around them will be maybe on fire or it, it will be very dangerous for party members to come close to one another. And they don't want their area of effect um, to overlap each other. So you'll have to watch out for that. Yeah, a lot of times these are, these appear as like a, a red circle mm-hmm. around the area around your character. And, you know, like Nikki said, it's basically an AOE that will damage anybody that's in that circle. Yeah. So when those happen, the party just wants to spread out so that nobody is in anybody else's circle. Mm-hmm. And then there's also... Uh, mechanics where you will need to either run towards the boss or run away from the boss. A lot of times when you need to run away from the boss, what will happen is the boss will do an ability that that targets either one or more of the ranged people, the DPS and the healer, and will pull them into melee with the boss. And a good rule of thumb is anytime you're out at range doing your thing and you get pulled into melee with the boss, you want to run away from the boss as quickly as you can. Yeah. And a lot of times you'll see this combined with the mechanic we just talked about where it pulls everybody into the boss and then everybody has one of those AOEs around them. So not only do you want to run away from the boss, but you want to run away in different directions <laughs> so that you're spreading out. So chaotic. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, another thing that's kind of a a subset of this is certain fights, the tank or whoever is kind of running the the group and and knows the dungeon will Mm -hmm. tell you to stack on the boss's ass. Mm -hmm. And basically what this means is you let the tank start tanking the boss and then you get immediately behind the boss. So you're standing practically right on top of him. And everybody stands together in the same spot right behind the boss. And there are different reasons that you do this in different fights. But a lot of times it will be some kind of mechanic where if one person is farther away than everybody else, they'll take a lot of damage or something like that. So just, you know, trust the people in your group. And if they tell you to stack on the boss, you know, do that. Because if you don't, you'll probably be the one laying dead on the floor (laughs) oh no yeah and i can remember one fight um from one of the dungeons where a spider will actually cocoon people and this brings us to another one of our points but um you'll want to free the person from the cocoon once they're wrapped up and the easiest way to do this is if you're all stacked on the boss because then everybody can just aoe once somebody's in a cocoon and they're doing damage to the boss and they're breaking the cocoon and then, yeah, I wouldn't okay. really recommend that, though. Nikki. No? Oh, okay. No, in that situation, I would single target the person in the cocoon. 
mm. because you're going to get them out a lot faster than if you're AOEing. That's true. Um, Good point. But yeah, there's there's numerous mechanics either with like some kind of cocoon or they put you in ice Mm -hmm. where it will basically disable one of the party members and you can then basically attack that party member. Mm -hmm. And usually in those situations, you want to attack that party member and free them from the cocoon or the ice or whatever it is as quickly as you, as you can, especially if it's the tank or the healer. But even if it's a DPS, I mean, you're, you're missing DPS as long as, as long as that person is trapped and can't do anything. Yep, definitely. And finally, the last uh, kind of common mechanic that we're going to talk about is what's mm-hmm. called line of sight. And a lot of times, um, you know, people use shorthand and chat and, and the tank will, will just tell you the LOS. And LOS means line of sight. And basically what that is, is it's a technique that the tank will use to separate um, a mob from other mobs and basically the way it works is for a mob to be able to attack you just like for you to attack a mob it has to have a line of sight so if you're around a corner or something like that the mob has to get to where it can see you before it can hit you with any kind of ranged attack mm-hmm. so a lot of times what a tank will do um, is it'll it'll tell you you know I'm going to line of sight so you hide behind this corner the tank goes around the corner, pulls some mobs, comes back around the corner, and the mobs run around the corner um, to attack the tank. So the important thing in these situations when you're told to line of sight is, you know, you figure out where the tank is lining of sighting to, and it's going to be some kind of obstacle that he's going to get the monsters behind, and you do not DPS at all until they're in position because Mm -hmm. if you do you can end up pulling other mobs that the the tank doesn't want to pull at that time or you can just screw up the whole line of sight process yeah it eventually leads to a wipe usually (laughs) and rogues are really great at this because they have um this like teleport ability where they'll lay down this like glowing thing on the ground Mm -hmm. and then the rogue runs and aggros the mob and then they teleport back to the little glowing thing on the ground. Yeah. I've always been envious of as a, as a cleric tank. Oh, well you need to make a rogue. Yeah. Well, (laughs) another way that this is often used is when there are spell casters or other ranged, uh, mobs involved because again, you know, you might have this spell caster that's way out of range of the tank's abilities who is, you know, attacking someone. Mm-hmm. And so the tank can line a sight so that the, the spellcaster has to come closer to get around that corner. And then the tank can grab them and pull them in. Right. To melee. There are three different difficulties for dungeons. There's normal, expert, and master. And we're just going to cover the normal today. Um, the expert and master levels we will be waiting on because that's for um, level 50s and up. The first dungeon that you'll get access to is called Realm of the Fae. You can enter this dungeon as early as level 15. However, the suggested levels are 17 to 20. In that same level range, you also have the dungeon Iron Tomb. Ooh, that one's my favorite. Really? You like Iron Tomb, huh? Uh, Yeah, well, it's between that and our next one, Darkening Deeps. Darkening Deeps is for level 23 to 27. 
Also in that level range, we have Deep Strike Mines. I uh, I think it's just the names, but I always get those two confused. Yes, me too. After that, we have Foul Cascade, level 29 to 32. King's Breach from level 34 to 35. Runic Descent from level 37 to 40. Mm-hmm. Fall of Lantern Hook, 43 to 44. I kind of dig Fall of Lantern Hook. You do? Yeah, I... For a while, I didn't like it because yeah. it seemed like we always got that dungeon. But uh. then I've done it so much that I kind of like it now. <laughs> <laughs> we then have Charmer's Caldera from 49 to 50, as well as Abyssal Precipice. And then at level 50, we have Caduceus Rise. Exodus of the Storm Queen, which is our first Storm Legion dungeon. That's from level 50 to 52. Yeah. Stormbreaker Protocol. 52 to 60, Unhallowed Bone Forge, 56 to 60, as well as the Golem Foundry from 56 to 60. I'd have to say, um, I don't think I've done all of the Storm Legion dungeons yet. Okay. But of the ones I've done, the Golem Foundry is my favorite. Oh, uh, that's the one where it's all in one room, right? Yes. Yes. That's nice. Um, I really love the boss. I can't remember what she's called. But she's like the uh, mechanical automaton that can make copies of herself. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very cool. It's my new favorite boss. (laughs) Okay. And then we have... Archive of the Flesh. For level 57 to 60. That sounds really gross. (laughs) We have Empyrean Core, 59 to 60. Tower of the Shattered. And our new dungeon coming out Wednesday with 2.4 is Realm of Twisted Dreams. Woo! Can't wait. Yeah. And uh, again, for those of you who did not uh, listen to our bonus episode this last Friday, they did do a little preview of Realm of Twisted Dreams Mm -hmm. on last Friday's live stream. So uh, if you don't mind the spoilers, you Mm -hmm. can go get a a sneak peek at it. They did a a run-through. Um, but Nikki and I, we want to wait and, and see it with our characters in game. Right, yeah. Nikki? Yep, we skip through. <laughs> That's right. Get down on your knees and make it lovely. Overachievers. For each dungeon, there are a few different achievements that you can get. Um, the first what is the Achiever achievement. For instance, Achiever Realm of the Fae, and that's to defeat all the bosses in that dungeon. So, like I said, you'll get that for each dungeon you do if you defeat all the bosses. And on normal mode. On normal, yes. Thank you. And then there's Expert. So, for example, Expert Realm of the Fae achievement. And you defeat all the bosses on Expert for that. And then there's Rapid Assault achievement. And, for example, Rapid Assault Realm of the Fae. And there's various different achievements for... Are you going to tell them what Rapid Assault is? Um, No. I'll let you do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Rapid Assault is just basically to get through the entire dungeon in a certain time limit. And Uh, I believe they're all different, what the time limit is. Oh, okay. Depending on the length of the dungeon, I guess. Yeah, and how many bosses there are, things like that. Okay. And the various achieves for defeating bosses in different ways and avoiding damage. And you just have to look in your achievement window under Dungeons. And you'll find all of those. Soon you will fight. For now, you must learn. Rips, tips, and tricks. 
For today's tips and tricks, I thought I would talk to you a little bit more about macros. We talked about macros in a previous episode. Running dungeons is a time when macros can come in very, very handy. Yeah. Now, um, I know in the last episode when we talked about macros, I attempted to give you guys macros Mm -hmm. over the podcast. At the time, that seemed like not such a great idea. And in hindsight, it was a terrible (laughs) idea. Um, Just as it's not a great idea to try to give guides to dungeons over a podcast, it's an even worse idea to try to give macros (laughs) over a podcast. So what we're going to do is I'm going to tell you some things that you can do with macros. And then to find out how to do that, you're going to go to our website. And we're going to have the macros there for you. Um, You can copy them down and modify them for your use. Macros are very simple. Uh, If you're someone who's a little intimidated by the term, have never used macros before, they're not hard to use. They're not hard to learn. No, and easy. It greatly, it can greatly improve or simplify your your gameplay. Yeah, it makes it a lot more fun. Yeah, a lot more fun. Um, so, the basic macros that you use to cast abilities will all have a similar setup. And again, these will be in the show notes on our web page. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's kind of. Uh, a basic philosophy for when you're trying to macro different abilities together. I use this a lot with uh, my mage and cleric. A lot of times you will have a large number of abilities that are, say, DPS abilities that all have cooldowns. So this ability can be used once every 20 seconds. This ability can be used every 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. This ability can be used every 30 seconds, whatever. Yeah. And you can quickly fill up lots of hot bars with all these abilities that you have. (laughs) So one thing that I'd like to do is anytime I can condense two or more abilities on the one button using a macro, Mm -hmm. I do that whenever I can. Um, A great way to do this is with your DPS abilities. So what you can do is when you have an ability with a cooldown, you can put that at the beginning of the list of spells that the macro casts. Mm -hmm. And then what the macro does is it goes through each command in the macro and it does each command that it can. So if your first spell command is to cast a certain spell and that spell isn't available because you've already used it and it's cooling down, then it Mm -hmm. will go to the the next next spell. Okay. So um, another, another little tip is... Uh, to have your your last like say you're you're doing a melee macro like say you're a rogue or a cleric or whatever and you're you're doing a melee DPS build and you have this macro to put together some of your melee abilities with cooldowns you want to have all your cooldown abilities first and then an ability that doesn't have a cooldown so when all the other abilities are on cooldown that ability will just go over and over and over until you have a cooldown ability available. Mm-hmm. Another neat trick with, say, a melee macro is after that last melee ability to put a ranged ability. And what will happen is since that melee ability, that last one doesn't have a cooldown, anytime you're in melee, the ranged ability will never go off because it'll always cast that last melee ability. But if you ever, for some, some reason, get out of range 
of the mob and you hit that button, it'll cast the ranged ability because it's the only thing it can cast. That's really cool. I didn't know that one before. I need yeah. to try that. That's excellent. Another great one, um, and I'm sure there are other abilities that are like this, but for, mm-hmm. for Cleric in the Inquisitor tree, you get a, a spell called Vex. Okay. And this is just a dot spell. It's instant cast, has no cooldown. Um, I always put that at the very bottom of my uh, DPS macros because the thing about Vex is if a mob is behind you, you can still cast Vex on it. Where oh. normally, most abilities, you can't cast at a mob that's behind you. Okay. So I put that at the very bottom. And then that way, if if I've run past the mob or something and he's behind me, and none of my other abilities will work, the Vex will still go off. Awesome. What a great tip. And the second one that you taught me about um, recently is the res macro. Yeah, these are very handy. Definitely. And this way you um, hit this macro when you're going to res somebody and it tells everybody who you're resing um, so that nobody, you know, goes to res the same individual. Right. Because the uh, the Ascended Resurrection spell that we all have now, um, it takes a couple seconds, two or three seconds to cast. And what will happen is, you know, when you wipe and you're resing everybody, you know, there's no way to know. Well, okay, there is you can target the person who's casting a res and see who they're targeting. Mm -hmm. But most people like they don't bother with that and they just start resing people. And a lot of times what will happen is you and someone else will be trying to res the same person. Yeah. And so you end up wasting time because the other guy's res goes off first and then yours is wasted and you could have been resing something else. Right. Definitely. So this macro basically tells everybody, hey, this is who I'm resing so that you can res someone else. Yep. And so this this uh, macro just basically you macro it with the resurrection spell and um, you can use either party or or raid chat. But I like to use yell. Mm-hmm. Because the problem with party is if you're in a raid, only the people in your party in the raid will hear it. And the problem with raid is if you're in a party and it hasn't been converted to a raid, <laughs> no nobody will, will hear, hear it. it. So the yell, at least everybody hears it all the time. Yeah, definitely. And I've seen some clever ones like, get up, you lazy fool. And then, you know, they'll insert the player's name in there. Yeah, and for those of you that are more RP-oriented, you can definitely, in any of your macros, you can add emotes, you can add things that your character says or yells. Um, You can definitely get really annoying with it. (laughs) Um, I've seen some really bad applications of this, but I've I've seen some really good applications. Like, I've seen people who have little macros for when they change their roles, like Mm -hmm. their character says something about kind of RP, about, you know what oh, they're going to do, which which cool. I've thought about doing for my roles. It would be mm-hmm. kind of cool to announce kind of like, you know, I don't know. I put on my shield and I'm ready to smack some heads or something. <laughs> I, I don't see. Know. That sounds fun. And finally, um, I also will have for you guys on the show notes, I will have some great uh, target commands. So you can make some really awesome macros using target commands Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll have three of my personal favorites that I find very useful in dungeons on the site. The first one is the at focus command. This is really useful for healers. I use this with my Chloromancer. And I kind of referenced this earlier 
um, when I said that I can be DPSing and just cast heals at my tank without having to switch targets. Mm-hmm. And that's how I do it with this, this uh, macro command using focus. And so what I do is at the beginning of the dungeon, I set the tank as my focus. And the easiest way I've found to do this is you just target the person and then do slash focus. Um, I believe you can also right click on their unit frame and there'll be an option to set them as your focus. But I find the slash focus the quickest and easiest way for me. Okay. Um, And then once you set that focus, you can have macroed uh, spells that cast at your focus and the the spell will target your focus even if you're targeting, say, the boss. So that is really useful. Another one that's really useful for healers or for anyone who um, is going to be casting things like a, a single target cleanse or something like that okay. um, or battle resurrection is the at mouse over UI target. Mm-hmm. And what this does is the spell casts not at who your target is that you've selected, but it casts at whoever your mouse pointer is over. Okay. So this can be in the world. You can mouse over them in the world or you can mouse over their unit frame in like your raid or your party um, unit frames. Okay, and is that why a lot of uh, healers like to have the raid frames? Because it's yes. easier to roll over? Okay. Yes. Yes, I believe so. And and so that's really nice for a healer because a lot of times as a healer, you either will have the main, you know, the boss that you're fighting targeted or, or you'll have the tank targeted. Right. And if you see someone like a DPS that needs topped up, you mm-hmm. can use this mouse over macro with one of your heal spells on your hot bar and you can just mouse over that person and heal them you don't have to change targets ah, very cool and then the last one and this is a relatively new addition to the game i can't remember how long ago it was that they put this in but it's since we've been back playing like since storm legion they've yeah, added this, this. totally foreign to me so this is an at ground target aoe mm-hmm. uh target macro and um, again, this will be on the site, but the command is at GTAE for ground target area effect. And basically, this is for, especially for people like clerics and mages, though I'm sure other classes have abilities like this too, where you have an AoE ability where you you click the spell and then you have like an AoE circle okay. that you have to put on the ground where you want it and then click on the ground for the spell to go off. Right. What this macro does is instead of having to deal with all that, it centers that circle on whoever your target is. Oh, that's nice. Which is really nice in dungeons and AOE situations because it saves you a a click or a keystroke. Mm -hmm. Because normally those spells, you have to hit it once to activate it and then place your circle on the ground and click again. And with the macro, you just hit the button once and it goes off targeted on your target. Um, the, the one kind of caveat with that is you, you do need to be mindful that your spell will target on who you're targeting. So, um, you know, you want to target one of the mobs in the center of the group because sometimes, depending on the size of your AoE, if you target somebody on the edge, it may not get everybody. Good point. But a lot of the AoEs are big enough that it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Okay. And finally, one last thing for tips and tricks. I wanted to make a, a little correction. This, this is actually from one of our first episodes, I think. It's quite a while back. Um, this one fell through the cracks. <laughs> but I made a statement on an earlier episode about how all the mounts in-game scale with your fastest mount. 
Mm-hmm. And that is unfortunately incorrect. Yeah. It is generally it speaking that is true. Most mm-hmm. mounts that you get will scale. Um, the ones that do not are your just generic run-of-the-mill mounts that you buy from the mount vendors for just platinum. Okay. So you're 60%, you're 90%, and so on. Um, usually, if not always, any mount that you get that you buy with with uh, credits or that you get from a world event or a dungeon or something like that, um, those will all scale with your highest speed mount. But when in doubt, just read the tooltip when you mouse mm-hmm. over the mount. It will either say something along the lines of this mount increases your speed by 90%. And if that's all it says, then that mount, that's what it does. And it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't scale. scale. Yeah. Or it will say something like this mount increases your speed by 60% or the speed of your fastest mount. And so what I recommend if you're using Mount Me, which is an add-on that we promoted a while ago, um, I would not put any mounts that do not scale into your Mount Me um, inventory. Because, uh, you know, if you're like Nikki and I and you're running around with 150% speed mounts and you summon your crappy little 90% speed mount that doesn't scale, now you're (laughs) running around at 90%, which isn't fun. Disappointment. Nothing against those of you that only have 90%. I mean, you're fine. But believe me, when you get up to 150, you won't want to go back to 90. <laughs> no. Prepare to be destroyed, heroes. Guild perks. <laughs> this week in our guild perks segment, we wanted to share some good news that we mentioned previously. Our guild is now open to all listeners. Yay! <laughs> So you can join us. Um, just go to throughtherift.createaforum.com and you can see a post on there on how to join the guild. And I just got to say, you know, I don't want people to think we're just totally, you know, wishy-washy farts and windstorms here. Because um, <laughs> I know in our last episode, we were all like, oh, our guild is very focused and special and it's not, you know, like a lot of podcast guilds. Um, but we have had, you know, a number of people interested in the guild, even after, you know, making all those statements and, um, you know, our guild hasn't been around that long. It's still a work in progress Mm -hmm. and we really enjoy the community that is forming around this podcast. We really like hearing from our listeners and talking with you guys and, uh, you know, we're getting a lot of new players listening to this podcast and, Really, our guild is perfect right. for those kinds of people. Um, we're all about helping new players and doing content with new players. And so the more we thought about it, the more it just seemed crazy not to bring the two together and uh, more closely affiliate the guild with the podcast. Yeah. And our members in the guild um, before we had the podcast, they were all... They all seem pretty excited, at least the ones I talked to, um, because they were hoping it would bring in new members. And sure enough, we're growing the community and it's a great way for everyone to get the help that they need and um, to make new friends. Exactly. And so you can also join via the in-game guild finder. You just press shift G. Yep. And we are called Through the Rift and we're right on Fablight. Yeah, so if you're on the Fablight server, you can just open your guild finder and search for Through the Rift, and we should come up. 
and you can apply directly there. Um, if Nikki or I are on, um, we'll accept you right away. Mm-hmm. If we're not, um, we will get an in-game message the next time we are on and we will invite you then. And if you're not on when we invite you, then you will get a message in your mailbox the next time you log on and, and you can accept. So we don't both have to be on at the same time to get you in the guild. Right. And um, you can go to our forums and learn more about the guild. Um, you can read our guild charter and philosophy. Um, there's no requirements to enter the guild. Anyone who wants to join the guild can. Anyone who listens to the podcast and wants to join the guild, you're more than welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have, like I said, our guild charter up. And, you know, you're just basically agreeing to to live by that if you join the guild. And that's yeah. really all we ask. And did we did we mention our, our new forums? I did, yes. Okay, yes. So, and the forums are there for everyone who listens to the podcast. Uh, we have a separate section of the forums that you will get access to if or when you join the guild. Right. Um, but there is a public part of the forums that anybody can look at, anybody can uh, join and post on. So mm-hmm. if you have comments or questions about any of the episodes or anything to do with the podcast um feel free yeah you can find us there yeah visit our forums uh join the community that is forming there and uh it'll be a lot of fun yeah and that's also where the dungeon um guides will be posted as well yes and you can find links to all that on our show notes on the website yeah kira would you like to see a trick i learned no, I don't find that sort of thing amusing. Come now, Kira. I am sure you would enjoy it. Apparently, giving life creatures a dose of death magic is explosive. Oh, very well. Show me this trick. That wraps up another episode of Through the Rift, Nikki. Uh, would you be mm-hmm. so kind as to tell our listener listeners how they can get a hold of us and participate in the show? Yeah, definitely. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, like we were saying in our last segment, you can get that link as well as many other helpful links within our show notes on LexStarWalker.com. And you can also uh, get access to the RSS feed for our podcast there mm-hmm. um, so that you can download us with whatever your app of choice is. Yeah. And we would like to send a special uh, thank you out there to Shadow Knuckle for (laughs) his uh, wonderful five-star review of the podcast on iTunes. Um, I believe Shadow Knuckle is our uh, listener who hails from Scotland. Oh, okay. Which um, is awesome. We we have, I think, a couple people in the guild already that are um, living in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, is really, really awesome. That is something that I really miss from my days playing EVE. My corporation I was in in EVE, we had a lot of people from England and mm-hmm. Scotland Australia, wow, that's awesome! Uh, Finland, and I just, I just loved it. I loved um, getting on to voice chat or in game and talking mm-hmm. with these people from all over the world, different, different countries, different cultures. Yeah. So I just, I can't even express like how happy it makes me that Aww. we have people overseas listening to our podcast. <laughs> that's great. 
So I would I would love to hear from anybody uh, overseas from another country or even from Canada. Um, you don't have to be across the ocean, just somewhere other than the U.S. I would love to hear uh, anything you'd have to say about about Rift and and what it's like where you live. Like how how popular is uh, MMO gaming and Rift and and whatnot? Are you like one of the the weird nerds that plays that game, or does everybody do it? I'd be really curious. Yeah, that'd be great to know. And um, also, we wanted to mention to Shadow Knuckle that we're really glad that you enjoyed the beer segment. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I believe, as he put it, the random beer yeah. segment, which I guess I didn't realize it was that random because I've listened to a lot of podcasts in the, the past where they would talk about what they were drinking. A lot of times it was wine, not beer. But um, I, I like that it's random as long as you guys like it. And, think it's fun yeah definitely and it's just another passion that we have so when we can combine rift and beer it's always good <laughs> and that reminds me um if any of our listeners uh have a beer that they really love that we haven't talked about oh, and yeah. you'd like to recommend it to us or even better send us some <laughs> um definitely let us know because we're always willing to try new things yeah for sure you can also email us comments, questions, or any requests for topics you'd like us to cover. Um, the Rift Podcast at gmail.com. And again, you can join our new forum community at throughtherift.createaforum.com. And follow us on Twitter for updates and to find out when we're recording next at The Rift Podcast. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the game. Bye, guys. This episode's music provided by Ish, Cloudwalker, Renfield, and Transboy. Please see the show notes for more details at LexStarWalker.com. I'm awesome!